Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this morning. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Alma Coffee, sustainably grown, veteran-owned, and direct trade. Which, of course, means from seed to cup, there are no middlemen. Please go check them out at MyAlmaCoffee.com and go visit their roastery cafe at 3448 Holly Springs Parkway in Canton. Ask for Harry or the brains of the outfit, Leticia, and tell them that Stone sent you. Guys, you're in for a real treat. We've got a studio full. A little bit later in the program, we're going to get a chance to, to visit with the folks from Kennesaw State University about their MBA program. We're going to have uh, uh, Mr. Luther Madej on the show and talk a little bit about digital marketing. But first up on Cherokee Business Radio, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Heritage Financial Solutions, Mr. David Jackson. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Stone. How are you? I am doing well. Delighted to have you. I think, I don't know, maybe it's close. I was going to say you win best dress, but you took your sport coat off. I think I think you and Alan are in a tie for, for best dress. Uh, you and I have been talking about having you come on the show for some time now. Uh, it's it's finally happening we met at a networking group. Uh, it's more than a networking group. That's not even fair to call them a networking group. A community of business people who really try to support and celebrate each other called Woodstock Business Club. And the only reason I even was introduced to the group is because you pointed me in their direction. Um, that's where we met, right? That is. That is. You had uh, called me about coming on the radio and at the time, you said uh, no. <laughs> yeah, right at the time, but you, I said no. But you no. could come to my thing. <laughs> and I said, if you wanted to uh, have sixty uh, plus people that might be open for it, you needed to show up to uh, that that networking group. What a great group of people! And you were just about right because I mean, what a marvelous group of folks! They've embraced me like I've been living here forever. I've been here for like four months, and you know, I feel like Norm when I walk <laughs> when I walk in there. All right, so Heritage Financial Solutions mission purpose. What what are you out there trying to do for folks, man? I am just trying to get uh, people from point A to point B in their financial plan as efficiently as possible. Um, everybody has a different plan. Everybody has a different starting point. I'm just trying to have you understand the vehicles and the maps to get you there efficiently. So I would think that a big part of your work is um, like education and awareness. So many of us, or at least I'll speak for myself, and I'll ask, I'll ask the, our, the rest of our expert panel here in the room today. I, I don't know, coming up as a, as a kid in school, I don't remember learning much about money, how to manage money or any of that stuff. So, I mean, has that been y'all's experience, guys? I still know nothing about managing money. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're here today. But no, I think a lot of us have not um, have just not been exposed to some of the basics. Is that accurate? Is a big part of your work just education? Absolutely. Um, essentially, when you're in high school, you have home economics, and that's a cooking class. <laughs> right? They don't teach you how to balance a checkbook. They don't teach you about compounding interest. They don't teach you about credit card debt and how deep you can get into that. They don't give you a a end goal in mind. They teach you how to cook and sew. 
So what was the what was the catalyst? What prompted you to get in this business as a as opposed to I, I don't know run a radio studio? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I have I have two scenarios that happened. Um, one was I was at an employer and my four hundred one k match went away. And during the open enrollment meeting, I was asking questions about that, and they did not like me asking <laughs> questions about it. Was, so essentially, you want me to not make anything from you, but you want me to help fund your tax write-off. Is that what you're telling me? And I got the Dave, we don't have time for this, <laughs> right? Uh, the second one is my dad passed away in February mm. of 97. Um, it was his second heart attack, and between the two heart attacks, he got everything put in place for my mom and I'm an only child. So I saw what should have been, um, with my dad's planning, but my mom did not follow the plan. And a couple scenarios later, I was named fiduciary for her. And when I was expecting to see, you know, half a million, a million dollars sitting in her checking account, she was down to 20,000. Ouch. I, yeah, yeah. So uh, what are you what are you finding the most rewarding about the work and, and and what's the what's the biggest challenge so far? The biggest challenge for me is getting people to understand how I'm different than other financial advisors. They sit there and simply show you products where I build a strategy for you and if you don't understand it, we don't sign up for anything. Right, so, so my options are going to be pretty limited. No, well, well, that's where the, that's where the education comes in, right? Right, right, right. So, if you understand the plan, plan that we have for you, as long as it's going towards your goals, you'll abide by it, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's a reason why I have a 98 percent retention rate in my in my book of business because people understand the plan, they know what I'm trying to achieve, and and it aligns with what they're trying to achieve. It's not about commissions. It's about getting you from point A to point B as efficiently as possible. So once you're getting the work, once you begin uh, helping folks manage their money and build their wealth, uh, you just said you have a marvelous retention rate. On the other end of things, I I, got to imagine the front end of working with a brand new client or a prospective client, the the trust that you must have to cultivate to – to get someone to even talk about their money, much less hand it over to you or the management of it over to you. Speak to that a little bit, if you want. Well, like Stone, if you and I were to meet, my first thing would be to show you how I operate and how I'm paid, uh, which builds trust anyways because I'm not fee-based. So the people I contract with pay me directly. Every dime you put towards your plan goes towards your plan. Uh, from there, I think management of taxation is where you're going to make or lose most of your money. So I would you know, sit down with you, ask you if you have your cell phone on you. Of course, you're going to say yes because people will walk out the door naked, but they'll have their <laughs> cell phone, right? <laughs> so uh, you know, we need to go back to understand where taxes were versus where they are today. Um, like you know what the top tax bracket 1960 was? No, sir. Do you want to know? Yeah, I do now. <laughs> it was it was ninety one percent on the federal side. Holy cow! So if you made a million dollars and you did not have a place to legally write that money off, you didn't even keep a hundred thousand of it. Wow! Right. Uh, today's top tax bracket, which is probably going to change, is only thirty seven percent. Oddly, I didn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I wonder why I didn't know that. Right. I'm not there. <laughs> right. But but the average person is paying anywhere from 22 to 30 percent right, in right. federal taxes, sure. right? And they're still deferring all their retirement plans, IRAs, 401s, and that were great for their parents who are retiring today. Right. Because not only do they get to bring their, their tax bracket down, but they get to pay less of a percentage. Well, the roles have turned – but everybody's still in the same mindset of deferring taxation right. in, a, in a tax deferred product, and the government's in complete control of it. And you are just working right into their to their plan. And all I try to do is help you understand that there's other avenues you can put your money in. I'm not saying don't fund your 401. Right. I'm just saying there are other avenues that you can work in conjunction with that and, and work you know the plan to your benefit because the plan is there. The government has it and you just have to use it and understand it. But every situation probably has its own idiosyncrasies. I mean, you, you could work with someone like me or somebody with, with like Luther pockets, right? Somebody with that big, guy's money, right? Big pockets. Right? <laughs> you got my business card, Luther? <laughs> but I mean, look, everybody's different. Just because a plan is ideally suited for Luther in his situation, it may not be good for me at all, right? That is correct. That is correct. Every, every plan is specific. There's general ideas and concepts, but the specifics of it are for the individual or, or the business owner. Yeah. So how, going back to this whole trust thing, how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for, for a guy like you? Because I, I, I don't know. You can't just pick up the phone and say, hey, Luther, would you like to or can you? I have had no success in that. That's, <laughs> okay. how, that's how my career started. I was like, right. Here, here's a list of 100 people. And, you know, and that was on a Monday morning most of the time. You know, when, when I was under contract with the company. Right, right. And, and I tried to explain to them, nobody wants to answer the phone on Monday morning. Everybody's hungover. They don't want to be at work. They had a great weekend. And you want me to call them with a solicitation at 10 o'clock? About their money. <laughs> yeah, about, about their money. Hey, you don't know me, but have I got the deal for you? <laughs> right? I just, I'm just not a used car salesman. Right. You know? That whole, uh, is that oil under the car? No, that's sweat from all the horsepower, <laughs> right? So I'm just not that guy. Um, I mean, you've known me for a little while now. Yeah. It's just no smoke, no mirrors. And when you understand your plan and you understand and can visualize how we are moving towards your goal efficiently, at that point, my question is, why wouldn't you do it? And you're out there cultivating real relationships and trying to help other people advance their business, whether they do business with you or not. Or at least that's the sense I get. I do. I do. Um, essentially, uh, it's like I was telling uh, a client Saturday over the phone as I was out on the mountain, mountain biking. Um, I was like, look, the scenario is as long as you understand your plan, we are good to go. If you don't use me, that's fine. But I want my... Um, tombstone to say, I'm that guy. And by that, I mean, mm. when you're sitting there and you have your grandchild on your <clears throat> knee and you're talking to your son or daughter and they're like, why are we a little bit better off than other people who make more money than us or, or the same money or work at the same job, have the same scenario? I went, well, it was this guy named Dave who showed me how it all worked and made me understand it. Because when you understand it, the scenario and strategies I'm trying to put in front of you, even without me, you can move forward. 
I would think that would be very rewarding work to be able to look back, even on the ones that maybe didn't formally engage you, but certainly the ones that are working, you know, with you more intimately. I would think that would be you would sleep pretty well at night and you would enjoy that. I do. I sleep well. <laughs> All right. Let's don't gloss over mountain biking because I saw you come to I talk about transparent. The what you see is what you get with David. He came to the last networking meeting. It's not a costume. That's not fair. Uh, uh, what do you call the thing you wear when you ride a mountain bike? <laughs> uh, no, I was just in a short sleeve mountain biking jersey, okay. essentially, and a pair of pants. I was headed to North Carolina. You were headed from the meeting to go mountain biking. That's it. Had the bike on the back of the truck. So is that where you find your inspiration? Is that an, an outlet? Do you th- do thinking on that, or do you not? You can't think. You got to be paying attention to the rock in front of you. <laughs> What's the- yeah? That's that's my release. That's my right? adrenaline rush. I spent uh, a lot of years racing motocross and, you know, had some injuries that, that said, okay, this is enough. I needed to step it down a little bit. So mountain biking is it. So the injuries, that explains a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 So, so yeah. Yeah, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that, that there was a, a some, I don't know about a catalyst, but some contributing events that kind of got you on, on this, on this path. And it, so it hit very close to close to home. So you find yourself now have, your folks have passed or you're still kind of helping them manage through that kind of thing. Well, my dad passed in 97 yeah. um, from a from a massive heart attack. And my mom has been in assisted living since 2008 and she's still there today. Wow. So, I mean, I know enough to know that if she's been in assisted living since 2008, you've managed money really well for her. <laughs> that much I do know. Right. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> they are not cheap. Um, and there's a reason why they're popping up all over the place. Right. The assisted right. living homes are gold mines. Once you once you pay the uh, the mortgage on the place off, the money's just free and clear. And, it's, and it literally is pouring in. And we're talking anywhere from... Depending on the facility, three thousand to eight thousand dollars a month. So, and, and that age group is only getting larger. Am I right, guys? Right. Correct. We're living longer. We're healthier. Right. We know that quadruple cheeseburgers with double bacon and can I get a side of bacon <laughs> grease with that is not healthy for you. But we still eat them. <laughs> right. They do taste right. good though. Yeah, they, yeah, right. Yeah. But you're actually you're you're living through that experience. You're experiencing in that all of that personally, and you're able to bring to bring that um, that frame of reference, that perspective to your work when when that impacts some of your clients. I would think. Correct, correct. So my mom just thought with the way everything my dad had set up was she was just never going to outlive her money. She could just spend money frivolously. She had some friends that were taking advantage of her, and. You know, there was no mindset. It was just writing checks, and there was no managing the money. Um, when I was named fiduciary for her, wow, uh, it was an eye opener. And people were taking advantage of her. She just had no cares about where the money was coming from. All she knew is she could spend it. And you know, what should have been versus what actually is right. two different scenarios, but. I lived it. Uh, I learned through a trial by fire. I was appointed by the law to be fiduciary for my mother. Uh And as I understood this more and more, I said, if I can keep my mom's money where it is and slowly but surely growing, what can I do for the average family or person or business owner that is actually trying to get ahead and watching what they're doing? Yeah. 
So before we wrap, um, counsel, if any, that you have for those of us that aren't quite where you're describing, but we're going to be, right? Um, my folks um, are they're in great shape now. They're living on their own. I'm the oldest son. There's two of us. Um, and my folks are in pretty good financial shape, too. But th- there's probably some stuff Rusty, my brother, and I ought to be doing. I don't know if it's putting the three-ring binder together and just getting all the info together. What What are some things Russ and I maybe ought to be doing now so that we're properly prepared? Well, first off, you have to know what your goals are and what, right. what you see your end point being, right? Because otherwise, it's just a plan going in all different directions. So... You know, think of it as um, you're traveling in a car. You're going from point A to point B, right? Your car is your vehicle, and you're just following Google Maps to get there. And, you know, suddenly there's tra- a traffic jam. Well, Google Map diverts you right. and finds a quicker way for you. That's all I do. I provide the vehicle and the quickest way to get there. That's all I do. All right, so now while mom and dad are still in good shape— that conversation ought to be with them and find out what how they want things to go to some extent, I would think. Right. They and need get to get the map together. They need to know their assets. Right. Uh, at, depending on their age, are there, is there anything guaranteed that you know for sure is going to be there regardless of whatever happens? Right. Um, do you want growth? Do you even care about growth? If you... If you're worried about the market dropping, maybe you need to reallocate some of those funds while the market's high. Right. You know, we've been in the longest-running bull market this country's ever seen. They're saying a correction is coming. Experts figure, and it makes sense that it is coming, it's just a matter of when and how much it's going to correct. Depending on where you are in your stage of planning, a correction also presents buying opportunities. I'll bet. Right, buy low and sell high, right? I like that. I like that strategy. Let's let's do that one. <laughs> right. But 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 there's two rules of Wall Street, right? You buy low and you sell high. But the second rule nobody ever pays attention to, and if anybody in this room has heard of this, let me know. But you invest a percentage of your assets equal to your age in fixed accounts. I've so, never heard of that. Right? So yeah. as your money builds you scrape off the earnings and put it into a fixed account. You let it build. You scrape off your earnings, put it into a fixed account. By the time you're 70, 75, whenever you want to retire, <clears throat> you have some money growing in the market, and then you also have fixed accounts that you don't ever have to worry about. Right. Because your risk tolerance is going to become next to nothing in retirement. You don't, you don't yeah. want to lose money when you've spent 40, 50 years building it. Right. So put it in the place where you can keep it. Makes all the sense in the world to me. All right. If our listeners would like to to reach out, have a conversation with you or somebody on your team, let's give them some points of contact, whatever you think is appropriate, phone number, LinkedIn, email, whatever right. works for you. Okay. Um, my phone number is 770-596-3840. Um, that goes directly to my cell phone. My staff will not get it. That will come to me. My Website is heritagesolutions.net. You can find it. It's a little antiquated, but you get all the info you need on me, contact information, and everything else. And because I have a god-awfully long email, we'll omit that. Or slide by Woodstock Business Club at Reformation Brewery, and you'll, you'll be there most Thursday mornings yeah. at eight thirty. Thursday you? mornings eight thirty. That's my that's my group. That's, <laughs> that is my definite. I have to make this meeting. 
Absolutely. Uh, networking group. What a what a great group of people. Woodstock Business Club, absolutely. Uh, David, thanks for coming to the studio this morning. Man, this has been fun. I knew it would. Don't be a stranger. Maybe we'll have you come back sometime and get us caught up on trends or, or things like that. But this has been a lot of fun, and, and, and for me, and I think for the group in studio here anyway, uh, very informative, man. We sure appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Stone. We didn't talk anything about mountain biking, though, I'm just saying. So. <laughs> that, that's right. So we'll get a chance to talk more about mountain biking right. when we do this again. Okay, very good. Thank you. Yes, sir. Hey, how about hanging out with us while we visit with our other guests? Would love to. All right. Let's talk about mountain biking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up on Cherokee Business Radio, we have with us the Director of Business Development with Kennesaw State University, Mr. Alan Bishop. How are you, man? Doing great. So uh, did you learn anything in that last segment? I learned, if I heard this correctly, because I'm 53, I should be saving 53% of what I make right now. Is that, is that what I heard? Did I mishear that? It depends on your plan. Because that's not going to happen. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so Director of Business Development um, for like the MBA program, but what, what's your role out there, man? Sure. So uh, Director of Recruitment and Business Development for the Executive MBA program at KSU. So KSU has three MBA programs. We have an online, a part-time, and an executive. So I'm strictly out there working on behalf of the Executive MBA program. Aha. Uh-huh. And uh, how long have you been doing that? Uh, six years. Six years. Well, you probably about got to figure it out then. You know, every year I think that, and then I realize I don't. <laughs> so what are you enjoying the most about it, man? I, you know, I really enjoy being out there in the community, meeting people, meeting corporations. Um, I enjoy because we interview all of our prospective students, and I really enjoy learning about what they do because you don't realize how many different jobs and roles there are out there, particularly in Metro Atlanta, so it's pretty exciting. And then because one of the highlights of our program is the fact that we really focus on career advancement, I really enjoy seeing our students advance their careers even before they graduate. So that's pretty cool. So what does an executive MBA student look like? Is there a, like a, 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 I don't know what you call it, a demographic, a psychographic? What do you marketing people call it? Luther? A persona? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what he said. We just did some personas <laughs> with the Perfect. Uh, okay. Um, well, first of all, I'll say this. I'm not a fan of the term executive MBA because I really think huh. it scares people off. Because when people hear the word executive They typically think of the C-suite or at least VP level and above. Uh And really, our program's designed for working professionals, typically manager level and above, that are looking to advance their career. So we require a minimum of five years post-undergraduate professional work experience. Uh So the youngest student that you're going to see is about 26. Um, For our program, every year, the stats are pretty much the same. Average age Hmm. of our students, about 38, 39, with about 14 years of work experience, typically about seven years of management experience. Wow. So these folks already are pretty accomplished when it comes. You're not you're not throwing people a, a, a life raft. <laughs> right. I mean, you're working with accomplished people already. We are. And that's part of the value proposition of an executive MBA is that, you know, one of our mottos is you're going to learn as much from your fellow students as you are the faculty. So you're learning from individuals with different functional backgrounds, different levels of expertise, different corporations. So there's a great networking component to this program as well. So is there some sort of, um, I'm sure there is, so I'll ask it differently. Tell me about <laughs> your assessment your process, your application process. What kind of hoops does yes. one need to jump through to, to get 
to get to do this? So our program is different in that for most MBA programs, you just jump in and apply. For our program, we want to interview you first. And even before we interview you, we want you to come to an information session because we want you to know what you're getting into because you may opt out and say this isn't for me. Um, The interview is really much like a job interview, and it's to determine mutual fit. So if if I were to interview you for the program, I would know on paper if you're a fit or not because I can look at your resume. I can look at your LinkedIn. I can look at your background. Right. Certain things we screen for in the interview is really, first of all, motivation and drive. Um, This is not a check-the-box kind of program. So if you're just saying, okay, you know, I've always wanted to get an MBA. I'd like to see MBA. My my grandfather had an MBA. That's not a compelling reason for an executive MBA. Um, So we're really looking for that. And we also want to see people that are going to work and play well with others. This is a teaming-based program. So you're going to be on a team of six or seven individuals throughout and if you're not willing to learn from others and give back, it's not the best program for you. So we do that screening process, and we determine sometimes right on the spot or maybe a few days later if they're a fit, and then we have them apply. Uh-huh. And if they're not a fit, it doesn't mean they could never go get an MBA somewhere. You, 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 I mean, you don't just, right? Right. I mean, so what we'll do sometimes is say, you know what? The, the part-time or evening program might be a better fit based on your lifestyle, the online Or let's say it's somebody that's a little younger, a little less mature. Maybe they're not in the right role at the right time. Uh, We'll give them the option. Say, you can look at another program or come back to us in in two years and let's do this again. Yeah. So who'd you bring with you over here across the table? So with me is one of our fantastic current students, Lisa Marie Haygood, who is the executive director of the Cobb County Educational Foundation. I actually am the executive director for the Cherokee County oh, did Educational I say, Foundation. Did I, you threw me okay. in Cobb, which is awesome. <laughs> I love Cobb County schools. So I was, born and, I was born and raised in Cobb County. I'm a Cobb guy. But yes, Cherokee. I'm a member of the Cherokee Chamber of Commerce. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I'm the person throwing the age curve for the executive MBA program. And there's uh-huh. three or four of us in this cohort that are over the age of 50 and uh, just taking a different life approach. Well, welcome to the show. We're delighted to have you. Thank you. So, uh, I don't know, rights and responsibilities. What, tell us a little bit about this job of yours. What, what are you doing out there every day? So, the job that I have is to raise awareness and funds for all of the public schools in the Cherokee County School District. Oh, wow. We do that through writing grants, getting business sponsorships. This next weekend, this weekend on Saturday the 14th, we'll be doing the um, annual Chick-fil-A Move It road race. It's the largest road race in North Georgia. And all of our Chick-fil-A operators here in Cherokee County put that event together, and the foundation is the beneficiary along with Special Olympics. It's a great event, but we raise funds through road races, galas, golf tournaments, tennis tournaments. There's really not a lot that we wouldn't do to raise funds. And it's just to ensure that we have excellence in all of our schools in Cherokee County. I'm exceedingly proud of the fact that you probably couldn't pick out our Title I schools if you tried. We have amazing uh-huh. schools. We put unequal resources where there's unequal need, and um, you get a really great education in the Cherokee County Public Schools. A lot of people are moving here, businesses move here, and schools are top of their list. So why the MBA? What prompted you to to pursue that? My story's a little sad, actually, along with Dave. My husband, um, back in April of 2019, had a massive heart attack in his sleep. I, um, I gave him CPR. I wasn't ready for him to go yet. And he spent much of that year on life support. 
And in that time, I realized that somehow we're going to have to pay all these bills. And while I've had the opportunity to do what I love and am passionate about, I needed a chance to um, sharpen my skills and get ready to go back out into the workforce. Um, I spent a lot of time on the laptop and read a lot about the executive MBA program while I was beside him in the hospital. And I decided that I didn't expect him to make it through that event. So I started applying to school so I could take care of my daughters and myself. And after he, he's better, he's much better. He's working. It's amazing. It's a miracle. Um, But he still, he sees what a difference it makes in my life to be a part of that program. And he wants me to succeed. So. Fantastic. So you are an alum or you're in the program right now? I am in the throes of the program right now. (laughs) Um, Professor Devaney, who owns the innovation. Wait, 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 wait wait a minute. That is not what we call him around here. (laughs) That's what I call him. (laughs) Well, some of our students call him something else. (laughs) Um, He's hardcore. I will be honest with you. I, Ah. I wasn't entirely sure at the beginning of last fall that I could cut it in this program. It was challenging Mm. for me. Um, The Excel coursework, his accounting, running data analysis and regression and statistics and things, this is not my skill set. But I will say that um, I can do it now. And I have never seen a more committed group of faculty members particularly Professor Devaney. He really had to dig in because I'm I'm on the struggle (laughs) bus with with accounting and higher order Excel. And um, he is so willing to just make sure when he knows that you're invested in it, he is equally invested in the students. Yeah. And and one thing I'll just jump in and say is is our program, we have five full-time dedicated faculty members that are only dedicated to this program, but they have real world business experience like Professor Devaney, um, they're out there, they're actively consulting, so they bring that experience to the program. But the, the, the point I wanted to make is our students, if they're struggling with anything, the faculty are right there to assist them, and, and I think that's very important. It's also important to note that I made an A on my last assignment. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's publish that for the world. It is now out on the airways for posterity. <laughs> Lisa Marie made an A. That's, but you've got a real job. You've got, <laughs> unlike some of us in the room, <laughs> but uh, now you've got you've got this day job. So how do you even work this in? What's the 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 scheduling, the timeline? Is, is this in the evenings, weekends, early morning? A little bit of both, but it okay. is it is important to note that if you have a real job, this is this is a great program to accommodate that. We have classes huh. that convene, and it's important for me. I am not an online learner. I struggle with that. And so um, being face-to-face with professors and and members of my cohort was very important to me, especially in a global pandemic. There were a lot of schools that went completely virtual. And to their credit, this Kennesaw um, MBA program, uh, the executive MBA program allowed us to meet. It was weekends. They distanced us. We wore masks. Everybody was very safe and cautious. They individually packaged our food. They did everything that they could do to keep us safe and learning in the environment that we committed to. So I I think that was pretty, uh, that was a big deal for me. 
But they um, meet on the weekends. We start class on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. We finish at 5 Saturday. We come back on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. We have, as Alan explained, we have groups that we are placed in. We don't get to choose our groups. I'm not really sure how that sausage gets made. But they put us <laughs> into groups. <laughs> and it can, that's challenging because in real life, so much of the work that you do is in groups. And you don't always yeah. love each other. You have to learn to work together. And so that experience has been um that's also very valuable and so we have group projects and assignments we we meet um on zoom during the week in the evenings after um i have some teammates who have four kids and have to get everybody put to bed some who are single. i mean it's it's really Mm. different the makeup and dynamic of the teams is um, really different we have one uh, member of my team that travels a hundred percent of the time he is always out of state and only comes in for the weekends that he has class i wouldn't have even thought that was possible and we are online with him and he's an engineer and thinks very differently than i do it's just amazing Mm -hmm. what you learn from those people So obviously, I mean, we can see the glint in your eye, and I'm sure our listeners can hear it in your voice. You're already getting tremendous value from participating in the program. And what is the end game? What are you hoping to um, experience differently on the other side of having the credential and having gone through the experience? For me, the credential is important because what I learned about myself is I'm truly passionate about my job. I love our public schools. I love nonprofit work. It helps me to sleep at night like Dave. I I rest better knowing that Mm. I'm making a difference. But if I can make a difference and a paycheck for my family, that's going to be amazing. So I um, I think I had a pretty different walk to come into the EMBA program. My my entire career has been based on starting as a room mom, a PTA room mom. And I, I worked my way up until I was the state president for Georgia PTA. That's 250,000 members in a downtown Atlanta office. Um, I cut my teeth making photocopies at Johnston Elementary. So you just really kind of have to learn as you go. And I think that this program is a great, great example of how you can grow. Every member of my team has experienced a job promotion or a pay raise since starting every member. And it's not unusual. Every weekend we sit down, we celebrate the growth that people get. When you are more competent, um, in your skill set, it gives you a boost that helps you to really just maximize what you want to do with your life. Alan, are there posters all over town with with Lisa Marie on there? <laughs> there will be now. <laughs> there will be. Now. Wow, what a glowing! Yeah, they're, David, they're going to have the the big billboard right there at Fry Road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. I do think I, I would be a cheerleader for the EMBA program if I could be. I think it's an amazing commitment. Dave, you guys should totally be enrolled, and we'll make sure that Alan hooks <laughs> right, you up and right. interviews you before we leave. Well, and I'll say this: we have a lot of great alumni who give back, who stay involved in the program, who are great cheerleaders. Lisa Marie, in my six years of doing this, has has been one of the biggest advocates of our program has a current student. So I obviously appreciate everything that she does for us. I think one of the things that Lisa Marie, you covered was all the different challenges that you had. And I think like, cause that's, that's quite often what people come to, like what comes to mind, right? When you, when you say, I need to go back to school. The first thing you think is I have kids, I have a job, I have all these things, the reasons why I can't do it. But I, I'm glad you covered that. I think that there are um, everyone has baggage and excuses. Yeah. You just have to make a decision to do it. And one cool thing, 
the importance of financial planners. Um, our amazing schools here in the state of Georgia, both of my daughters attended college on a Zell Miller scholarship mm-hmm. and were not in need of all that collegiate money that I saved. Uh-huh. And so my financial planner said, why don't you make yourself the beneficiary of your 529 and put yourself back in school with all that money you save for your kids? That's brilliant. And he was right. <laughs> you know, one one thing I'll say just in conjunction with that is, um, so we talk about the weekend format. So it's approximately one weekend a month, Saturday and Sunday, because we are dealing with working professionals. Yeah. We want them to maintain their career. But a lot of them, you mentioned someone with, you say, three kids. We have somebody with four or five kids in this wow. program. That's crazy. But one of the things we do in the interview process is say, you're, you've got to plan for at least 20 hours a week during this 19-month program. Mm-hmm. So you got to ask yourself a question. What are you doing right now for those 20 hours that you're going to have to give up? And it could be Netflix and chill, or it could be you're going to, you're going to, um, you know, you're going to miss out on some soccer games on the weekend, or you're going to have to cut back on the mountain biking. So, so we do want to make sure people are prepared for that time commitment. Alan forgot the coolest part of the program. I can't believe you didn't even pitch it, but at the end of our um, 18-month, 19-month stint, we go abroad and we do an international two-week consulting job with a company. We're going to Panama this this next April for two weeks, and we get real-life international consulting experience. How cool is that? That sounds marvelous. All right, so let's leave our listeners, particularly those who might be interested in um, talking to you guys and, and, and learning more, or maybe some who are already enrolled and kind of excited about coming in this fall. What advice, and I'll ask from both of you, both from your perspective, Alan, and, and, for, uh, and we'll start with you, and then I want to get your perspective. How would, you, how would you encourage them to prepare? What advice would you have for them? But I'll start with Alan. What, what advice do you have for those folks? Well, so first of all, we have pre-reading assignments for our students ah. before the class begins. So we recommend that they do all their pre-reading, but also use that as a way to get used to that 20 hours a week. Um, And then once people are in the program, the advice I like to give is because it is teaming based. So you're broken out in those teams is to not only get to know your team, which you're going to do, but get to know on a deeper level, your fellow cohort. And then you're going to overlap with two other cohorts. It's a great networking opportunity. Sometimes people jump in, they're all in with their team and, and other people might fade into the background. So really the network component can't be emphasized enough. Excellent. I think that um, everything he said is very valuable. I think it's also important to note that the breaks fall pretty naturally in places where we already have challenges. We've had the last two weeks um, closed our summer semester, so you can logically take a vacation. During Christmas last year, I was worried, what is my EMBA program going to do for the holidays? Because you know you have so many commitments, but there was a logical break at that time and like a two-week stint where you could really still focus on family. I think you can juggle it all, um, but like anything else, the... I think if you stop learning, you stop growing, and you stop living. So this is an opportunity to really step up your game and make sure that you're relevant and valuable in society to people and for yourself. Yeah, and and I'll just add, too, that the biggest uh, mistake I think sometimes new students make is we talk about in the information sessions, the interviews, the dedicated faculty, and we encourage Mm -hmm. the students, if you struggle with anything right off the beginning, reach out, call, email, Uh, see them on the class weekend, but we find that for a lot of students, maybe it's because of their undergraduate experience, they're hesitant to do so. And even though we tell them, it usually takes them 
past that first semester where they finally realize, okay, these people aren't scary. I mean, Professor Devaney seems a little scary in the beginning. <laughs> he is scary. No, he scary. is I still scary. can't get my mind wrapped around that title, Professor Devaney, but, you know, I'm going to start calling him that. <laughs> he responds well to it. Right. Uh, so a great many of our listeners listen on, on demand, and so they may be hitting a bucket of balls or mountain biking two months from now and hear this, but there's going to be people who listen to it now, now being August the 10th, uh, 2021 at this very moment live while we're talking, is there still time to enroll in the next, what do you, what do you call the next yeah, thing? So the next quarter, the next thingy? Yeah, is, we yeah. refer to it as a cohort. And, okay. And a, next cohort. An important thing to note is that we only enroll one cohort every year. So if you miss the deadline for this fall, you have to wait a year. Oh, wow. Um, so our deadline for this fall is August 31st, which you may say to yourself, there's not enough time. Well, there really is because we can okay. interview, especially if it's virtual, we could interview somebody this afternoon, and if okay. we determine them to be a fit, the application process is pretty straightforward, so we can onboard somebody pretty quickly. All right. And then over time, uh, what can we do to help? What can Business Radio X do to help? What can the folks in this room do to help? What do you, you need just continued awareness of the program? Is that the best way for us to help? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I talked about, you know, that I'm not a fan of the term executive MBA. I think sometimes people are scared Away, So I think the awareness is key. And I think there's still a lot of people out there that do not know that these programs exist. So they may immediately just look for a traditional MBA before they learn about what an executive MBA uh, is. And I think there's a lot of people out there that miss out on a great program because the awareness is not there. Not to say I'm not doing my job. I'm out there. <laughs> but still, you know, there are some people that don't realize it. Alan, yeah. what's the ranking of our program? Oh, thank you. You know, I wrote that down here somewhere. Man, so, wow. <laughs> good. Are you for uh, hire? Like, yeah, yeah. Right. seriously, right? You see why I'm broader. Um, <laughs> we are ranked number one in Georgia for the fifth year in a row by CEO Magazine and wow. number two in the nation and number eight in the world. Bang, that so, just happened. Yeah. So and right here. It's right here right. in our in our backyard. Isn't that's that amazing? Crazy. That's incredible. Well, congratulations on that, uh, the momentum. Uh, good luck on, on going forward. We're going to continue to follow your story. And um, I, I don't think this ought to be the last time we talk. I think you ought to come in here periodically, maybe as you are cyclically, is that a word? That's Every right. now and again, as my, <laughs> whenever you're going to have a new cohort and you're going to, you want to get the word out about it, maybe we ought to have you swing back in here. Well, yeah. And I'll say this for anybody considering mm. doing business radio X, this is a heck of a lot of fun and you're really good. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. This is fun and I definitely want to do it again. It beats a heck out of work. And then. Oh yeah. yeah. No, this is good. <laughs> All right. So let's leave our listeners with some um, information, on how to get to you, phone number, email, whatever. Sure. For, for KSU, uh, KSUimba.com is our website. Uh, look me up on LinkedIn. It's Alan, A-L-L-A-N, Bishop. Um, email is alan.bishop at kennesaw.edu. And phone is 470-578-4420. And I'm Lisa Marie, because my mom was a giant Elvis fan. And <laughs> Me too. Me I'm too. at the Cherokee County Educational Foundation. And if you want to get together, as long as you buy me a glass of wine, I can easily be persuaded to recruit and market you for this program. <laughs> so it's Fantastic. not the Cobb County <laughs> It is not okay. Cobb right. County, though. We do love the Cobb County <laughs> okay, schools. Right, make sure. Uh, and similarly, as I was mentioning to him, if, if you'd like to come in and focus a little bit more on on that, on, on, on your organization, if you'd like to come and do a segment, uh, we'll talk off air, but we're delighted to make that happen for Thank you. Thank you, Stone. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, can you guys hang out with us while we visit with one more guest? 
Absolutely. If, if, if not, I'd have to go back to work. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We ready for the headliner? He's been yes. very patient. He's been taking copious notes. Lots S- of notes. Somebody tried to say something funny, and he leaned in and he laughed. I mean, he's really played very nicely with others, I think. It's time to let him <laughs> let, let him have naturally. his, his uh, moment in the sun. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming to the show with North Atlanta Digital Marketing, Mr. Luther Madej, good morning, sir. Hey, Stone, how's it going? It's going great. I think the last two times you and I had a chance to visit, it was, uh, for me anyway, over an IPA yep. at Reformation. That's right. That's God bless right. Reformation. I yeah. love this town. Although it's not a bad place to meet. <laughs> it's yeah. a fantastic place, fantastic place to meet. Uh, digital marketing, that seems to me like it could be one of those um, uh, heavily loaded words. And many of it us is. probably have some box we've already put what you do in. Uh, and we probably got it wrong. Tell us about <laughs> digital marketing and your take on it specifically. Absolutely. You know, when you talk about digital marketing, I think if you're a business owner, you probably get four phone calls a day that says, hey, we can help you with Google. We can help you with SEO. We can help you with all sorts of stuff. And unfortunately, all those things get lumped into digital marketing. Uh, I think from my perspective, you know, one thing we focus on is education from from what we do. And in digital marketing, if you look at it, number one, is like it's just like building a house. If you have an amazing house in a forest, but nobody knows it exists, well, maybe that's what you want, but nobody's ever going to know your, your amazing house exists. And, that's, and so the amazing house in this case is a website, right? So if you can have the, the most amazing, well-thought-out, well-played-out you know, well played out website, it doesn't matter if nobody can find it. You know? And that's really one section of digital marketing. It's just the websites. The other whole section of digital marketing is just making sure that people are aware that you as a business exist and the, your business actually has a website. So there's a whole other section around Google and, and all those things that come into digital marketing when it comes to just making sure that people are aware that your website exists because... In today's world, honestly, Stone, nobody ever jumps on Google and says Business X Radio or they don't say, I'm looking for this plumber. They actually say, I, I'm just looking for a plumber near me. And right. whatever pops up <clears throat> and whatever pops up in the top five results is that's what they're going to click. And if and that those top five results don't have a bunch of reviews, they're not going to be clicking on those. So your business, your niche, um, while I would think it certainly impacts SEO, you're not really an SEO guy. You, you're more of a... Well, I don't know. I'll let you say. Yeah. What is your niche? Yeah. You know, I think from a digital marketing perspective, SEO is the most overplayed term out there. Okay. But we're not focused on that. We're focused on the neon sign that points to your website. So we focus on Google My Business, one of the most underutilized tools out there that's out there for free. Anybody who has a business can go out there and set up your Google My Business page. And that is what we really focus on from, from a hey, here's where the house is perspective, right? That's number one. Now, we, all, we also do social media marketing, which is another key aspect of today's world where I don't think any business that doesn't interact with social media one way or the other by having a Facebook page, by having an Instagram page, by having a Twitter feed, et cetera, it's really hard to interact with your customers, especially depending on the service that you're in. Right. But we certainly help with that piece as well. But Google My Business and social media is really where we focus a lot of our efforts. And then the, tell us about the the screens. Yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah, Because so, that's what got me so excited about what you were doing. Maybe just because I hadn't talked to anybody who was in that arena, and maybe that's pretty unique. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it. no, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things, you know, when it comes to digital marketing is that 
uh, you know, there's a lot of online marketing that goes into it. Right. Right. Now, one thing that makes us unique, even though we're a full-fledged digital marketing shop, is that we also have what we call indoor billboards. And although the name sounds fancy, all we've done is we've taken the concept of outside billboards, you know, the ones that you drive by at 60, 70 miles an hour, and you probably don't even know what you, what's on there. We've taken that concept and we've brought it indoors to like coffee shops and, you know, restaurants and haircut salons, et cetera. And so, and we said, hey, what, we're going to put a 55 to 60 inch screen inside there that's dedicated to just playing ads. It has a few things around headlines, et cetera. So there's some entertainment value to it. But predominantly, it's about playing ads that are 20 to 30 seconds long on the background, no sound. So you're not like, you know, it's not like walking to a mall in Christmas <clears> and <throat> you just got the same loop playing over and over <laughs> again. You know, so it's not like that. <laughs> but, you know, so there's no, there's no sound to this, but it's just playing in the background. We put a lot of, we put a lot of uh, motion into it so it catches the eye. But mm-hmm. the concept of that, what it does really, Stone, is that, you know, from from an online presence and an offline presence perspective, we're able to cover that, right? So when when somebody says, "Hey, Luther, like we we're 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 a new business, we're an established business, whatever it is in Woodstock, Georgia," well, guess what? We can make sure that people are seeing their brand anytime they're they're shopping, eating, playing, working out in in Woodstock, and when they go back home and they log on, they're going to see that same kind of branding online on Facebook or on Google. Okay, let's talk about me for a minute. I mean, it is my show, so. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> when you talked a moment ago about overplaying something, you were talking about SEO. Um, one great strength of the work that we do at Business Radio X uh, is the, the the relationships that get built in the room, right? Yep. And like face-to-face in the studio, you get to know people. But I, I wonder if maybe I, I and we haven't even maybe overplayed that and not taken full advantage of something like this because – the, I wonder how nice it might be to have more ubiquity so that when when the people in this room walked out of here and you went to your dentist's office or wherever and you saw a screen and it said Business Radio X on it. Yeah. You know, or, or people who are listening, they listened to it, they heard a great interview, they, they and if they were to see something on a screen that said Business Radio, more of an integrated, holistic, there's yeah. probably some value in that, right? There is, right? If, if you think about it, Top of mind, being top of mind, it's it's actually like a connection that that's happening between the service provider and the customer, right? Especially right. for a first time customer, right? Think about it. So when if you wake up one day and your faucet's leaking or you have a leak in the house, right? That's when you think about a plumber, right? But chances are your brain has already put forth a, a particular plumber because you've already seen their branding everywhere. Right. Right. Same thing with education. Same thing with financial planning. Right. Same thing with insurance, et cetera. Right. So there's there's a reason why Mark Spain has a billboard every half a mile because he completely <laughs> understands. He completely <clears throat> understands that branding is all about ubiquity. But to compete with a Mark Spain, not that I have to compete with him, but there are people in that category. There are people in the category. So here's 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 the interesting part, Stone. So right. a typical outdoor billboard on a very not so busy street costs about 600 bucks a month, right? But we're able to give the same presence for a lot less. And the beauty of it is nobody's driving by at 60 miles an hour. They're actually sitting there probably having dinner with their family or working out in the gym or, or, you know, like one of our locations is a gymnastic school. Well, parents are stuck there at least three to four days a week for at least an hour and a half, 
I had two girls in gymnastics, and so not just parents, parents with money. Yeah. I can remember soccer. We were kind of at the higher end of the socioeconomic ladder of the soccer parents, yeah. and we were on the low end of the gymnastics <laughs> parents. It's a different crowd. Okay, but, but if, if I were on a screen, if Business Radio X, Cherokee Business Radio X, or Business Radio X Network, yep. were on the screen um, at a handful of these places, I'm getting the idea you could be at more than one, yeah. I could maybe reach a, a, quite a few eyeballs here. Yeah, so our network is we have about 140-plus screens all across North Metro Atlanta. Okay. And that's Cherokee, Cobb, North Fulton, <clears throat> Forsyth, and a little bit of Gwinnett. Right. All right. So how does it work? So uh, do you help me design an ad or yeah. is it mostly just like a logo and a, how does that? So the beauty of it is um, unlike outdoor billboards, right. when, when we engage, when a customer engages with us, we actually sit down and we can kind of, first of all, we understand what is it that they do to make the phone ring, to make the customer walk in. Because whatever they're doing today has to fit in with how they're going to market on the screens, right? Okay. We don't want to create anything that's that's not in in line with their with how they how their image lies out there. Right. So, so the first thing we do is we understand that. The second thing we do is we kind of gather all the materials that goes into making an ad. It's a thirty. It's usually like a twenty to thirty second ad. It's a video ad. So we gather those materials. We if they have a logo, great. We'll use it. If they don't have a logo, we'll make it for them. And we'll kind of create this whole marketing campaign around that. And then, you know, for, you know, and, and we also engage with them if they want additional social media, et cetera. But all that is one fee. Like there's no additional packages. Like when, when we're engaged for getting a, uh, an ad on a screen or a bunch of screens, mm-hmm. like we incorporate the creation of the ad, the, the management of that and everything. And, and also anytime that you know, the customer wants a change, like once a quarter right. we make changes. For example, We've got a customer who's a roofer, right? And so roofers, one of the things that they're always looking for is hailstorms. So we can move their ad anywhere in Metro Atlanta, depending on where the last hailstorm was. You know, how's that great. for targeted marketing? Right, <laughs> that's right. Cool. Yeah. Storm chasers, <laughs> storm on chasers. Trainers, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but the beauty of it is, it's it's all we we can manage all of it. You know, sitting in our home on my phone, so it's not a big deal. And the ad creation takes about two to three business days. So we can, you know, very easily move the ads around. Um, and then that's that's what makes us very, very different than a standing billboard on the outside. Right. Do you do, you do any geofencing around those as well? We don't do uh, geofencing yet. Yet is the key word there because we're going to be adding that soon to more, not so more so much to add, um, add variation, but more so to understand who is looking at those ads. So I will look that term up after the show (laughs) 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 or ask you guys to say to say more about it. So your backstory, how in the world did you find yourself doing this kind of kind of work? Yeah, uh, it's it's actually funny because I've been one of those people that has been blessed with business ADD for all my life, where I've always said I always wanted to be a business person and I've had online businesses, et cetera. And I think that's really the crux of where I picked up most of my skills around digital marketing. Um, and you know, one of the things, the addition to that was that when I started looking at business ideas that I could take on, I looked at digital marketing, which was the online piece. And I found a franchise that I'm a part of that offered the screens. And so there was a perfect harmony where I said, I can, I can give people ubiquity for a very cheap price point compared to what they would with an outdoor billboard. And so that's really how I got into it. 
So how does the sales and marketing thing work for you? I think I've asked, asked this question of every, everyone. Is it eating your own cooking? Is it is it using the <laughs> the product to advertise yeah. what you guys do? So every screen that you would see out here in Woodstock, Georgia, yeah, it plays ads for the customers, right? It'll have a right. roofer, a plumber, et cetera, but it'll always have my ad as well, right? That right. says, hey, here's how you contact <laughs> Luther uh, and, and the company being North Atlanta Digital Marketing. And the same thing, we use the same principles that we would use to help promote a given business on Google My Business. I use the same principles. I am constantly posting on Google My Business. I'm uploading videos and, uh, and photos all the time, right? So I have to, I mean, there's a reason why we preach it is because we see it work in our own business. And you have a day job and kids, right? I mean, where do you find the time? I think, you know, that's why I was asking Lisa Marie those questions because I was like, <laughs> how do you balance all these things? And uh, honestly, one of the things that Lisa Marie said that really, really I kind of, you know, uh, dug into was she said, you know, if you don't learn, you don't grow. Yeah. And I think it's it's always one of the things I think you can come up with 500 reasons to just Netflix and chill, as Alan said. But yeah. I think the moment you do less of that and you just kind of take a little bit of that and reallocate it towards a business or to going to school, for example, or maybe just making better financial decisions. Right. Like David said. I think you immediately find out that you actually have a lot more time than you originally thought you did. So you're a family man. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what what do you hope your your kids learn from watching you conduct your business life the way that you do? What are what are the lessons that you hope they come away with? I, I would say this: um, number one, don't be don't don't ever be afraid to fail. I think mm. that's the one of the biggest things that yeah. I myself was often like, you know, as you kind of go through life, you're like, oh, maybe I, I don't want to do this. Not because um, it's big and scary, but because maybe I'm not the right fit for it or it's, you know, whatever. And I think that's the fear of failure that stops most of us from trying something new. Right. But quite often what you find is that once you actually take that step, then, you know, um, you just have a way like, I think the universe kind of comes around and says, okay, well, if you're taking that step, I'm going to help you out and, you know, arrange the right resources and things just start figuring out and, you know, and it all works out in the end. And, and the beauty of it is in the end of all, all of that, if it doesn't work out, you've learned so much that it was so worth doing it. What an excellent point. There's a movie, it's, um, exotic gold, Marigold Hotel. I don't yeah. know. But it, 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 everything, and the guy says, everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. <laughs> that's true. Right? That, that's that true. Right. I love that. Yeah. But th- that's really the key takeaway. And I think that's what I tell most people, too, is like, because they ask, I often get asked the same question, which is, why would you take on a business when you have a job? And my thing is, yeah. now I, I ask, <clears throat> why wouldn't you take on a business? Because I think uh-huh. maybe David would, would uh, attest to this, but. Having a business, A, teaches you so much, and B, the tax benefits are not bad at all. Right, right. <laughs> but but, but to, to your point on the fails, yeah. it's like Thomas Edison said he failed 9,999 times, yep. but the 10,000th time he got it right. Yeah. And we all have light because of it. That's true. And right. I think he actually says something like he figured out 9,900 different ways not to make a light bulb. That's it, right? <laughs> right. So there's hope for me yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, the failure doesn't hurt as much as we may be thinking it's going to, and there's still there's the, the seed of an equivalent benefit that comes from that, or at least that's been my experience, and I'm pretty experienced at failing. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I think failure is overplayed. 
right? Yeah. In the sense that if if you if you log on to you know like I, I'm guilty of listening to a lot of motivational videos when I'm working out because that's the only way I can make my self work out, right? Like <laughs> they always talk about you know success is this, success is that, but I think. The, the truth is in order to gain success, you have to have quite a good amount of failure or get used to the failure, right? Just treat that as it's just a stepping stone. Just part of it. Risk. <laughs> Risk. We were right. talking in class just this past weekend about the fact that a man will apply for a job that he's only 65% qualified for looking at the job description. Right. And women won't apply unless it's like 90 to 100%. Interesting. And I thought that was fascinating. <clears throat> and our professor encouraged us to step away and take a harder look because if you apply for a job that you're 90 to 100% qualified for, then you're not learning, you're not stretching, you're not uh-huh. growing. So you want to get your foot in the door and learn and grow and be challenged or else you'll be bored. Yeah. yeah. One of the, I think one of the best things I've ever heard is um, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. The real successful business owners, if you interview all of them, they say, I am not the smartest person yep. in the room. I hire the smartest pe- people and that's why I have the money I do. That is very true. So what's next for you and and, and what can we do to help? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things in it, when when you and I connected Stone, uh, I was actually checking out your website right before we met. And I noticed that you said uh, you have in the in in the Business X Radio, it says hyper local marketing. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That's what I do is hyper local marketing. And I think there's a lot of um, overlap from that perspective, because at the end of the day, it all comes down to branding. Right. And I think mm-hmm. there's there's a difference between putting an ad out there and making branding ubiquitous. Right. Because usually ads just have the concept of, hey, there's an ad in like a whatever, a magazine. They want you to call them. But branding goes well beyond the, just that one ad. Right. And I think it's it's really from that perspective is um, we are here right here in Woodstock, Georgia. We completely understand, you know, the, the you know, how the market works out here. And so we're completely looking for, um, you know, mostly in the service providers who are looking for that branding that says, hey, right. I know that one ad is not going to make a difference, but having my brand all across, you know, in a, in a coffee shop or in a restaurant and then the same brand being seen online is what creates that ubiquity and that top of mind awareness. And, and I do know what ubiquity means because I looked it up after the last show. <laughs> yeah, that's the word of the day. To <laughs> it's, it's absolutely. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't reuse geofencing. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you and have a conversation about some of these ideas and, and maybe get some of that ubiquity that we all crave? Absolutely. So our website is North Atlanta Digital Marketing, but it's natldm.com. So it's, you know, it's all the first letters of North right. Atlanta Digital Marketing. And my phone number is uh, 404-507-2607. Marvelous. Well, thanks for coming and hanging out with it's us today, man. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Business Radio.